0: This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for dropping by. I really do appreciate it. And thank you, of course, so much to uh, everybody who came, the thousands and thousands of people who came to watch the premiere of my latest presentation, The Case Against China. I really, really appreciate that. And of course, it is uh, with great pleasure that I use the resources that you provide to me to be able to create these kinds of presentations. So thank you, thank you so much for all of that. And of course, if you do wanna help out, I know these are troubled times, so please don't feel obligated. Uh, But uh, if you do wanna come by to freedomain.com forward slash donate to help out, I would really appreciate that. And I'm just gonna go in here and make sure that I have the questions that are showing up. And we are also going to add in Dr. Paul Cottrell, uh, who uh, was very kind to help me with some of the more technical sides of the uh, presentation. Paul, uh, thank you so much. And of course, thanks for taking the time tonight.
1: Hi, it was a great presentation. Thank you very much for having me.
0: I appreciate that. I'm pretty sure all the great parts had something to do with you, but uh, I I can read them pretty well, (laughs) so I appreciate that. And um, this is here, of course, for the uh, Ask Me Anything. Get your comments, get your questions. Uh, this is the cool thing about this kind of work, that we can get uh, people in to this kind of stuff. So, um, well, I guess the first question is from Dan. Uh, the questions are down below, Paul. Steph, great presentation, three exclamation marks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How bad do you think this will become? Well, uh, I will I will toss that to my right. <laughs> well, not to my left. Uh, Paul, what do you think? How How bad is this going to become?
1: Well, I think it's important, in, you know, to parse it for what's going on uh, at, at the world level and at the United States level. Um, we're currently at over 1.9 million people that have confirmed COVID-19 disease. And We have over worldwide over 119,000 deaths. Now, in the United States, we have five over 100. We have over 581,000. COVID-19 cases and over 23,000 deaths New York City alone just New York City that's the five boroughs is 7349 deaths so we're we're talking about something that is very severe here and I published on my my site uh, four different scenarios Um, we talked on, on a previous recording on the worst case scenario which it could be that if there was three waves, that it could be very large numbers in, in terms of, of deaths, over 6.9 million, because of the comorbidity issue in the United States. But that's over a 20-month period. And that's assuming that it gains function with other receptors, which it might. There, there's some data saying that it is. So uh, the best scenario is around 250,000 uh, deaths. Uh, in the United States, assuming about a two-wave theory instead of a three-wave theory, lasting around eight, eight to ten months or so. Um, so that's you know th- there's this cone of probability. When anyone has done any type of uh, simulation, it's all about what you put into the simulation, what your parameters are, and you know you get this cone of probability. So we're looking at anywhere from 250,000 deaths in the united states to 6.9 million deaths
0: well there's i mean obviously those are alarming numbers the one thing that i find kind of confusing paul perhaps you can step me through this because it drives me a little crazy is everyone says you know well we flattened the curve man the numbers are going down the number like the, the the rate well of course it is because everything stopped which can't continue it's so frustrating to me. Like, it's like, let's say there's some Chinese mafia and I haven't paid them their, I don't know, shipment of festering bats or something like that. And they stick my head in a barrel of water. And for the first 30 seconds, I'm like, hey, man, I guess I have gills. I'm I'm still alive. But shutting everything down to dealing with pandemic is like holding your breath when you're underwater. It's not a sustainable situation. And so this preemptive cheering for something that can't possibly continue, which is pretty much the only reason it hasn't spread like wildfire. Seems to me a bit on the premature side, but I'm certainly happy to be talked out of all of that. Well,
1: here, here's the problem with uh, the way humans think. We think very linearly. We think, in, so we, we don't think really nonlinearly. It's hard for individuals to think non-linearly. So in, in terms of worst case scenarios, we always extrapolate You know, way over the reality. And in terms of uh, best case scenarios, we extrapolate, unfortunately, way too optimistically. And we are seeing uh, green shoots, if we want to use the term that Bernanke used in terms of finance. Uh, green shoots are some you know, optimism in terms of flattening the curve in New York City. We have lower ICU um, situations. We have lower um, uh, ventilation hookups. We have, lower, uh, we have lower new hospitalizations. These are all great signs. Total hospitalizations, cumulative total hospitalizations have been flattening. So this is that S curve that we, we've been talking about. And over time, it will start to go down. People still need to realize, even with the flattening of the curve, we're, we're above capacity in terms of you know, uh, uh, treating some of these severe patients. Not just in New York, but in many areas of the country, uh, like Michigan. Michigan's another hot spot. That you know, watch out for Detroit. Watch out for New, New Jersey. Watch out for Chicago. So um, we have to understand that you could be flattening the curve and still be above above uh, capacity for hospitalization. But here, here's what's important to really hit home: once we start going back to work. You, New York will probably be, you know, the first ones to get out of shelter in place. Once we do that, we're going to start seeing probably cross infection around 14 days later, 14 to 24 days later, because not everyone that's coming out is well. You know, they may be asymptomatic. And, you know, I, I, we've only, in terms of testing in New York, we've only tested for COVID-19 uh, 478,000 People, Well, we have a lot more people than that in, in New York. So when you do shelter in place, there's a high probability of doing this cross infection or reinfection. So we might have little mini waves in, in, in between the primary wave and the secondary wave, which probably will happen late October. And that's where the, the, the real understanding of how bad this is gonna get. We will know by the end of October if you know these bit we may be measuring this stuff in, in in mega deaths not in just deaths mega deaths all right and that you know and that was a term used in in nuclear war so I remember um you know yeah so I mean you know so when we say six point nine million deaths that's six point nine mega deaths you know so this is a new nomenclature that people aren't familiar with unless you know they're you know you know back in the 80s you know we we're you know we were talking about possible nuclear war but um you know I hope and pray that there's only one wave and that when we get out of shelter in place across the country, that it, we will not have the secondary wave and everything is gonna be okay. But I, there is some strong scientific evidence that there's gonna be gain of function with these other receptors and, and this thing's gonna get out of control and these other receptors are dealing with the immune system. So my concern is this possibility of of downregulating these uh, T cells, the CD4 plus cells. And the last time we heard that was, you know, it was in the eighties when it came to HIV. So, you know, I, it, we have to be very vigilant and very careful and, and don't be too optimistic until we understand the true dynamics of this weapon. And
0: well, we also, it was I mean, designed it's designed be- to kill. Because it's so early. In, in the whole cycle. So people are getting better, but we don't know a how much better they are going to get relative to final function. You know, have they had diminished lung capacity? Are there any lingering after effects? Plus, of course, the issue with uh, some of the medications that is being used to treat them and the side effects from that. Uh, reinfection is an issue, and we don't know if there could be long-term effects. Uh, a, a friend of mine shared this. I'm going to read this rather syllable mishmash of stuff and and maybe you can uh, break it uh, break it out a little bit so, so he says SARS is shown to directly assault the immune system this is a quote from paper and and the quote is this SARS-CoV-2 that's what I was just talking about in the presentation SARS-CoV-2 infected t-cells through receptor dependent s-protein mediated membrane fusion SARS-CoV-2 infected t-cells through oh sorry membrane fusion so is this what you're talking about how um it's Taking down the immune system. And again, it's not AIDS, of course, but it's also not exactly the opposite of AIDS, if that makes sense. Because AIDS, if I remember rightly, or I guess the, the HIV, what it did was it attacked your immune system, which kind of left the castle walls open for any stray bug that happened to get past your, your skin or your, your uh, mucous membrane. And so if it's going for the immune system, then that would explain to some degree why the comorbidity is such an issue. It's not the comorbidity plus SARS. It's SARS taking down the immune system that's keeping the comorbidities uh, less virulent.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, what we noticed with uh, AIDS, um, you know, that was caused primarily by HIV virus, right? That it's a retrovirus that, that attacks the immune system. Well, if you have another type of virus, even if it's not a retrovirus that's attacking the immune system, you're going to have AIDS-like syndrome, all right? And you know, carcinomas and sarcomas and all this type of stuff. Pneumonias, all the all these d- diseases that usually your immune system attacks early on and you know, keeps you in homeostasis, that's down and you can't fight those diseases. So this is a serious problem. And this is why your presentation is so important is to raise the alarm, not just on the scientific side, but also that philosophical side, the the legality side that we had individuals in the scientific community and at the governmental level that were doing things that you should have never done. And it is now taking down the world and they need to be held accountable. And it's not, you know, a big component of it is the CCP. But there are elements in our own government, meaning the United States, that were complicit in this. Okay, let, let's talk, need sorry, to be Let's, held let's just
0: make sure we, we break that out for people so that it's really clear, because of course, my mine was the case against China, it's very specific, let's talk about the case against the US as well.
1: Right. Well, there. part of the story here, and you brought it up, is, is that uh, uh, Dr. Xi was working in the United States. In conjunction with a with uh, the Defense Department, where they were developing a weapons program at Fort Detrick, and then it was shut down. So, and this and this was and that information, Doctor Xi brought back to the Wuhan facility. So, the United States has been working on a weapons program, and and Fauci was in, involved in it. And All I'm going to be to talking to George Webb. He is, uh, he's very well-knowledged on the, on the key players of this. He's been researching this for years. He, he's not a newcomer to the scene, but you know, he's, he, he's well-versed on the, the, the players of this. And I'll be talking to him tomorrow um, to do a deep dive, you know, a brain dump, if you want to call it that, um, you know, to be more educated on how deep this rabbit hole goes for the United States. But the, the, to the point where I'm at in terms of the knowledge is that uh, the United States was involved in a weapons program that was supercharging SARS. And Dr. Xi was the mezzanine between what was going on in the United States and what happened with with P4. And the French were involved because the French helped design the building for P4. So this was an international, you know, thing that was going on. Um, then all of a sudden, the the Chinese basically kicked out the the French in terms of the development of, of the building. And I think that's when they, you know, they were saying, okay, we know enough about how to build this, um, and then you know, start you know, making the the more weapons part of the lab so they, they kicked out the the, the, the french uh, designers and, and, and architects but um the, the main point here is, is that we have people that are in leadership positions in in government and at uh you know at the un level or the who level that have tentacles in the weapons program and they need to be called off on it and they need to be you know you know um, um there needs to be some sort of trial Against humanity, you know. This is in in a strange way. We are seeing a worldwide Holocaust, literally a Holocaust worldwide, because of scientific and defense department hubris, and that everyone that was
0: involved needs to be held accountable in a court of law. It is a strange thing, of course, Paul. And I'll just I've got more questions for the audience. I just want to point this out. That people say, well, but there was a treaty, you know, like there's a Bill of Rights, it doesn't really matter if the cops are going on a power trip as they seem to be in various places throughout America, throughout the West as a whole, probably happening in other countries too, it's just a little less obvious. But this idea that, well, there's a signatory, there's a very formal piece of paper that's in a filing cabinet somewhere, I'm sure that's going to be the physics of how people make their decisions, they're just pieces of paper and without the will for enforcement, they have to reflect the will of the people. They have to reflect a commitment to moral absolutes. If they are expected to do sentry duty for you to maintain the civilization you've inherited, it will not last very long. All right, let's jump into this. Uh, Daryl Silver wants to know, do you believe in herd immunity? I guess define it and then and, and your thoughts on it, please. Well, you know, well, I have to you have to define believe. You know that's like you know <laughs> that's way too philosophical a question for is, us, Paul. Is, right, right, right,
1: right, right. Well, it's a philosophical channel. But uh, herd immunity uh, is a fact. All right, you there is the ability that if you reach a certain percentage in the population for certain pathogens, that you build up antibodies within that population, and it protects the ones that haven't been exposed. Uh, it's been a practice for many years. I mean, w- one way was for my parents, they had measles parties where they, if an individual had the, the measles, it, people would bring them over and th- they would get infected. And that's how they, you know, had the, the herd immunity. Uh, same thing happened in Gen X, at least in the United States, for chickenpox. So now we have, in, in this world, all diseases, all, every single pathogen is bad, and then we become all germophobic. But a long time ago, uh, that, was the, that was the way the individuals, you know, built up an- enough antibodies within the population, you know, to quell that disease. So, yes, I, uh, herd immunity is a, is a fact, and, and, you know, it does work. But there, that doesn't mean that individuals shouldn't get certain types of vaccines, certain vaccines are, I mean, certain diseases are so deadly, you have to be, you have to get them. For example, and I know there's, historically there's been problems with it, but I had a friend in elementary school that had polio, right? He was adopted from South Vietnam. Uh, he, he was an orphan because of the war. Uh, and um, uh, he, you know he contracted polio in, in South Vietnam. American family adopted him, and but he was crippled for for life. So he probably would have been able to walk if he had that vaccine. Now, yes, there have been cases where individuals are harmed by vaccines, and that's why we have to have a safe vaccine committee or or or, or body that that looks over and makes sure that what's in the vaccines, um, you know, are proper and that uh, you know we try to reduce uh, the harmful effects of these vaccines, instead of getting into all the details and why that happens. But some people though, that the, the 100% anti-vaxxers, they'll say, well, we'll just have herd immunity for any disease. Well, you, it, it, some diseases are so bad, you can't do that. But in some, some diseases you can, and it, there's a middle
0: ground. To that point, Tack for Alt says, if it mutates and has multiple receptors and is so contagious, how can there be herd immunity? Well, that's that's the point. If you can't get
1: attenuation, you can't. So that's why I said that in certain diseases, the, the concept of herd immunity will not work. So um, I'm very concerned that if we have a second wave and it's not attenuated, whereby the, the first wave was the worst wave, the second wave is less and the third wave is even even more uh, it is even decreased even more then you have attenuation and the the virus um, learns to live within the population we live to be copacetic with the virus Um, but because there's so many receptors I am very concerned about gain and function and you brought up the the article where it's affecting the immune system and that sets in motion a whole slew of other problems and you know I have told people listening to my channel, you know, when I do my rotation in medical school, that will be in 16 to 18 months. And if my theory is right that this thing doesn't doesn't end, I'll be rot- I'll be rotating and seeing cases that are in the tertiary wave here in my clinical rotations. And then for my residency, which is you know for a long time, people did understand getting an MD degree you have to go through a residency program Um, within that residency I most likely will see the effects of what's happening right now what are the long-term effects so you're talking about uh, eight eight or nine years from now we're probably going to see pulmonary syndromes or immune syndromes 10 years from now that we'll be able to pinpoint and say this was because of covid-19 hmm. but we couldn't see exactly what those syndromes would be until they start manifesting themselves it's very possible that certain types of cancers will pop up in 10 years especially if it's downregulating the immune system but it's just too early to tell but i suspect that 10 years from now a lot of people you know in the medical community that's just starting to be you know going in like myself just going just starting to get into into medical school and then doing the residency, we're probably going to see
0: those syndromes start. Well, and of course, anybody who's immunocompromised or anything which takes down your immunity system or weakens it renders you more susceptible to cancers, uh, if I remember rightly, because you know, cancers form, cellular division forms in your body, not continuously, but you know, it happens and your immune system is supposed to deal with it. If your immune system is compromised, then the odds of that cancer slipping into something larger and larger become higher
1: mhm-hmm
0: mm-hmm. exactly
1: and here's like here's a good case though is that you, with with smoking the the lung cancers didn't pop up until uh ten to fifteen years later right or oh, longer yeah it, or longer you know twenty years later but but you know but the, the point is is that there is a latency for certain types of of um of diseases you know syndromes that might pop up through you know through this um you know through multiple mechanisms but people need to watch out that this might be popping up as a syndrome.
0: Steve Nichols wants to know, and of course, whenever you, we hear, as I talked about, the four HIV inserts identified by the Indian researchers and verified by people like yourself and others, they hear HIV immediately go to AIDS and so on. Can this virus carry a more sinister payload, for example, AIDS? You know, the the, the great terror, of course, would be something like airborne AIDS, which is, this, of course, is not yet, but I guess people are asking the relationship there.
1: Well, here's what's very important. Uh, HIV is a retrovirus. It has a reverse transcriptase in it, so it it can integrate into the genome. Um, Coronaviruses, specifically beta coronaviruses is what we're dealing with here, are RNA viruses. They do not have a reverse transcriptase in it, so they're totally different types of viruses. Now, AIDS is is a disease. HIV is the virus. So you could technically have AIDS that is created by other viruses. Now, what is interesting is is that the spike protein on HIV is is, uh, GP120. GP120, certain parts of it are in this virus, what we call SARS-CoV-2. And it was done there purposely to gain function to ACE2. So, as it evolves, it most likely will start to affect T cells and start causing immune system issues. If that does happen, which seems like it is, that is AIDS-like. So the mechanism of what we call AIDS from the 80s was different. It was from a, a retrovirus. What we may be seeing as a new syndrome of AIDS is this gain of function from SARS-CoV-2. So it's very possible to have AIDS-like syn- syndrome, and this is what I'm, I'm saying. You know that a few years down the road here, we may be seeing you know these carcinomas that were very unique to you know uh, the uh, the AIDS population in the in the 1980s.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is so, and, and the the sort of crush the, the rise, right, to sort of bring down the number of new cases to give people time to prepare, that started pretty early and, and has been, you know, I mean, it could have started a whole lot earlier, but it would have been a whole lot better. But it is out there. And the fact that we've crushed it down by stopping our economy, uh, you know, this is kind of like putting someone in an artificial coma because of some medical emergency. It's like, okay, well, they're not better. Maybe this is a way to have them not get much worse, but there's not a permanent situation to put the economy in a coma. Uh, then it's like the cure being worse than the disease. And when it goes back into circulation, as it will when people start moving, that's, I mean, I think the second wave is going to be much bigger than the first. Just my particular thought. I mean, this is there's some historical precedent for it. That was the case with the Spanish flu. But I think that the second wave is going to be bigger than the first. And I think people are walking in... And the reason we're saying all of this, oh, I don't want to speak for Paul, of course, the reason I think it's important to say this stuff is, yeah, okay, some of it's speculation, for sure, but this isn't just like bong hit speculation, like, hey, man, maybe we're just like an atom inside, you know, like I mean, this isn't this isn't ridiculous, grateful dead speculation, there's some actual science and historical precedent and math behind all of this, but it is really important to be cautious, and you know, if this gets people to wear masks, if it gets them to wash their hands more, uh, it is not a bad uh it's not a bad way to go. Now, you know, there's, there's a
1: theory, there's a theory in chaos in chaos theory that if you want to try to uh, minimize the damage of a chaotic system, a a situation that you want to over, you know, um, overreact because you don't know the system dynamics. So it's better. It's, it's, you know, it's better to be prepared than to not be. And by, saying hey this is the worst case scenario it will start to get people to wake up and start you know preparing either you know having food or building up their immune system changing their life you know lifestyle habits um, being more uh, conscientious of, of, uh, of you know looking around and helping the elderly the elderly is a big you know uh, a cohort of, of deaths here so you know by sounding the alarm it saves lives it's not fear mongering. It's 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 trying to save lives. Well it's funny I and, when I and was also, a,
0: Yeah, sorry, go ahead, no, no, finish your thought, please. Sorry, go ahead. No, no.
1: You know, you and, know, and, and also to to bring the ones that are responsible to
0: you know to, to justice. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's funny. When I was a kid, I found a whole bunch of readers' digest books. Uh like the little magazines they used to have. They're kinda of old school now. But I remember reading this program, I don't know if it's still around, it was around back in the 70s, called Scared Straight. And what they would do is they'd take these teenage thugs, uh, wannabes, and they would basically bring them to prison. And, you know, these these hardened, terrifying (laughs) prisoners would say, hey, man, you really don't want to end up like me. Here's what life's like in prison. Here's what you can look forward to being someone's girlfriend for three years kind of thing. And the idea was Scared Straight. Now, you know, there was some ambivalence about the program, but the idea of just, you know... This is the worst-case scenario if you keep on the path that you're keeping on, and it does cause people to change their behavior. And I, I don't know. This pause—it's kind of a weird thing uh, that there is this unreality to it, because it's not the new normal. This can't be the new normal because we got to eat, and we got to have electricity. <laughs> you know, the water's got to flow. It's like you know we're at the top of a trajectory, and we're just kind of hanging there. It's like I've escaped gravity. It's like nope, you've just reached equilibrium with gravity. That's going to mm-hmm. change. All right. Uh, Addy Ads has asked, um, beside the lungs, what is the second most highly concentrated part of the body in terms of the ACTU? Uh, sorry, ACE two uh, enzyme is that the right word? But um, and this is why you're here uh, because that that's not my wheelhouse at all. Okay, the ACE
1: two the ACE two receptor is a uh, protein, but it's also an enzyme.
0: Ah, okay. Um,
1: okay, so you know, so it's just kind of using different different terminology. But uh, you have it in your lungs, you have it in your myocardium, so in your heart area, you have it in your intestines, you have it in your kidneys, you have it in lots of, you have it even in the smooth muscle um, in your body. There's lots of different smooth muscles that's controlled um, automatically. It helps with, um, with contracting the bronchial tubes, it helps with uh, uh, con- contracting uh, the, the movement for your intestines. A lot of people that go through chemotherapy, what happens is, is that they, they lose that ability to, of that wave motion in your intestines and it, it can cause a lot of, of problems in terms of digestion. And they start losing a lot of weight. That's not the only reason why they lose a lot of weight, but I mean, that's one of, one of the reasons. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ACE2 that can can affect, and different cohorts of patients will have different upregulation or downregulation of of ACE2. So that's why this is hard to treat, because it's in- infecting multiple organ systems, especially in sepsis. Once they get into sepsis, or this this high cytokine storm uh, scenario, it get it, it it becomes a chaotic, you know, system and it's very the the and eight uh, percent of the people that go on the ventilator they don't get off and they die that way so um in some cases it's even higher than eight percent but um it, it's it's definitely a problem, but the ace two receptor is a very common receptor in our body because that's a key homeostasis
0: receptor right okay, so let's talk about racial disparities in um how this um, SARS-CoV-2 is affecting people and some racial disparities I think are gonna be environmental, uh, they're gonna be uh, socioeconomic, but I think that there are some genuine, obviously, there are biological differences between the races. I think thinking sort of sickle cell, obesity, and prevalence of smoking, which have racial differences, prevalence of alcohol abuse, which have racial differences. Have you looked into, and of course, I have heard, this is way back at the very beginning of this whole nightmare journey, not not this presentation itself, but, you know, the whole thing itself. But right. way back at the beginning, there seemed to be some indication that it did hit uh, East Asians more than it would hit, say, Caucasians or, or blacks. Have you looked into racial disparities and any reasons as to why these might be occurring? Yes,
1: so early on in the investigation, we're talking about early February, there was research that was published where it suggested that the ACE2 receptor was upregulated for Asian males. Um, And so everyone was thinking, well, this would not affect the Caucasian population as as bad. Well, the reason why that data uh, was skewed to Asian males is that Asian males have a tendency to smoke mm. versus Asian females. Now, if you just do baseline, no one's smoking, you'll have more ACE2 in males than females. So there's actually, it, it's, it's, it's focused on sex, actually. And, you know, so, so more males will, will have a problem because we, we upregulate ACE2. If you look at that as the baseline, now you add in smoking, then you'll upregulate ACE2 now in asia more males smoke versus females it's like 50 percent versus two percent it's like a crazy disparity yeah yeah. right 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 so that was the reason why the data was skewed and this is why it's so important to kind of like you know dive into the data and figure out why that that, you know those biases happen but as the infection started to spread around the world then we were starting to see that there were other receptors that were involved not just the ace-2 and those receptors are the GRP78 which is upregulated when you have stress now those stress factors could be environmental stress factors they could be internal stress factors but in modern society especially in the west you know there there is a lot of stress you know uh and 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 poor health habits and that will upregulate the GRP78 receptor so those types of societies are more prone to be getting the disease. In conjunction with the CD two zero nine and the CD two nine nine receptors, that are that are um, also upregulated with if you're elderly, if you smoke, because it adds stress, um, and it, uh, individuals that are Caucasian will upregulate CD two zero nine and two nine nine versus Asians. So when you look at this in its totality um with the these five receptors you you will realize that it's more biased to caucasian stressed male individuals
0: that's not exactly pushing back against the weapon of war hypothesis right (laughs) right Right. I mean, it's, it's you know, now, I, I,
1: the big receptor at this moment is ACE2. But as it's moving through the world, it's adding more and more probability of gaining function and higher affinity to these other receptors. And that's my big worry, that this pinballing will take place and that the second wave, third wave, could be more virulent than the, than the primary
0: wave. Uh, this is obviously not any kind of individualized medical advice, but um, Devon Trellis, I have not heard about this, so maybe this is uh, something else, but he says, please talk about rashes that occur with this virus. I have a deep red non-blanching, I don't know what that means, rash on my neck. Have you heard about anything to do with right. rashes?
1: Yeah, there, 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 are, there, are, there was a study that came out with uh, rashes. I didn't see them on the neck, but actually on the hands. Now the question is is if these, these individuals are being treated with hydroxychloroquine because one of the side effects is rashes. Now if they're not being treated with hydroxychloroquine then um, then it might be due to this hypoxia issue where you know there's this big debate you, know, you not to get into the weeds here but you know there is ARDS types of of presentation and non-ARDS types of presentation. So basically for the listeners, the ARDS types have huge uh, inflammatory response and accumulation of fluid in the air sacs in the lung and it prevents people from breathing. But there is non-ARDS patients that uh, test positive for COVID-19 that have, um, you know, have other uh, clinical presentations but still have the hypoxia. So it this might be related to lack of lack of oxygen and maybe lysis of, of the uh, red blood cells but um it, that needs to be further investigated but i i think there's two you know there's two avenues here where are they being treated and it's a side effect of the treatment or is it truly the
0: disease right so and i reported on this uh a month or two ago but uh, south korea reports more recovered coronaviruses patients testing positive again uh and is it a case that once you've had it you have the antibodies you should be okay is it kind of like uh you know there are like 100 different varieties of the common cold so it's not like you get the same cold again it's just that it always changes or the flu which changes every year have you heard much coming out of south korea i'd heard it's up to 14 percent um reinfection rate for sars-cov-2 but uh what are your thoughts on that
1: Right. This is the worry that that we have. Once we get out of shelter in place in in New York, I think there's going to be a high probability of, of reinfection, and the data is showing that this is happening in China and in South Korea. You know, it, it's smaller percentages than than let's say the original the original case. Now the question is, we got to parse out how they're doing the testing. You know, how do they? You know, are they doing the RT PCR testing, or are they doing antibody testing? You know, I, I'm not really sure. I suspect it's the RT-PCR test. Um, how long does the virus stay in the body once you you know you were infected and quote recovered? Do you still shed this for weeks or months? That's a big question because if you're still shedding it for weeks and you 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 are asymptomatic, um, then you you could still Pass it on to others so uh, and what happens if you're weak let's say there's a new- st- strain that, that that starts to develop in that population. Your system's already hit from the first infection, but let's say you're asymptomatic and you're quote recovered all right you your your immune system is still down it hasn't fully recovered I mean anyone that's gone through the flu I mean it takes weeks to really get back to you know normalcy so uh if you get infected with let's say a, a a slight mutation of it you you and your immune system's still down it may be different enough where whatever antibodies you have uh might not be able to fight it or and i think this is more the case the antibodies that you did create it creates it called an antibody dependent enhancement where the antibody attaches to the the actual spike protein and that helps it to get in other cells. And this is my worry that
0: it's. It, it, no, that's this it. We're signing off. That just of that way. news is too bad. Is, that we can't, the we can't continue this the show. That's it. It's I, all over. <laughs> I'm moving to the mountains. Sorry, go ahead.
1: <laughs> and we might and we might have an asteroid yet too.
0: <laughs> that <laughs> might be a relief but, at this but, point. <laughs> Jesus.
1: No, but, but but people need to, you know, people need to realize that we for some individuals, we may have antibody dependent enhancement.
0: Jennifer Day is pointing out he did his hair, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably directed a bit more towards Paul than towards me, unless she's talking about nose hair. All right. So let's talk about the flu crew. This is from the real Vincent Griffin, who says, according to the World Health Organization, I don't believe this anymore just because it has the word who <laughs> attached to it these days, but okay, you know, let's say this is true. Quarter, quarter million to half a million people die each year of standard coronavirus influenza worldwide. Uh, this, of course, is something that is talked about a lot and uh, I believe is worth addressing, um, if you don't mind.
1: Well, first of all, I, I have to ask the question, um, how do they know how many people actually die from influenza? Because they don't test for that. Very, few, they, they don't test that full population. That's a projection. That is a modeled epidemiological projection. We have roughly about 15 to 25 million Americans that get quote influenza and we depending on the year uh, have about you know about 50 to 60,000 that pass away all right you're telling me that they test 25 million people in the United States every year with influenza tests and I've had influenza you've had influenza have you ever been tested for it so it's a projection that's a that's a projected number and people need to keep that in mind and now we're 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 trying to, you know, and I think it, to Donald Trump's credit, he 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 kept on saying, test, test, test. I want to know what's going on. What and it might be for military purposes actually, you know, to understand, you know, how bad really it is. Um, but the the, the reality is is that we don't know truly how many people have influenza in the United States, let alone in the world, because we don't test for it at that level.
0: Right. So already kind of a projection. Um, yeah. Chuck Norris makes Stefan Molyneux jokes. Um, I think that's probably a fair, a fair statement to make. I think he's trying to say that I'm kind of tough. Uh, you know, fair enough. All right. So, um, we do have some concern from the male listeners about their testicles. Um, I assume this is related to coronavirus. And if I remember rightly, it does seem to, uh, 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 go for the berries, just uh, just a little bit. Can you uh, give them some facts on that?
1: Mm-hmm. It does. It does affect the you know the, the uh, testes. Uh, I don't think there's any evidence that it's affecting the ovaries, but I would have to look into that. But um, if it is affecting the testicles, then you have to go to the next question: Is it affecting the germ line? Because if it affects the germ line. Then the future generations are gonna be infected.
0: Okay, can you break Does that down a little virus bit? For me? It? All
1: right, so we have we have we have cells in our body that are somatic and germline cells. The germline cells are the ones, the sperm and the you know, the, the egg cells that make a new a new human, right? So if you infect germline cells, then those that sperm or egg cell will have something go wrong. And that's passed on to future generations. If it's only affecting your somatic cells, then it's not affecting future generations. It would only affect future generations in that case by just spreading it you know, naturally within the population, but it doesn't affect the germ cells. But if you have a, a, a virus that affects the germ cells, all future generations are affected. And there's not enough research to say it does or it does not.
0: Uh, so another question, which was uh, floating around here. Uh, so what might be a good consequence to impose on the CCP? Now, I know we're kind of jumping out of some medical stuff, but uh, I I think that's an important question. Have you given that much thought? Uh, do you want to just open the gates to my rants, or what are your thoughts on that? I'd say let's open up the gates. <laughs> All right. Well, so the problem is not the Chinese Communist Party. The problem is the communists within our own society. If you look at a place like Russia, see, Russia has had, has survived communism. Let's look at, using our medical analogy here, right? So you get assaulted by some virus, you fight it off at great cost to your life, at great despair and anger and and weakness and sickness, and you fight your way back. You now have immunity, right? Because you've got the antibodies for that virus. So if you look at... The countries in the West that are able to act outside of this per- paralytic political correctness that is in swamping us in fever dreams of egalitarian perfectionism, you look at places like Poland, you look at places like Hungary, you look at places like Russia. Well, these are places that have experienced communism and now have the antibodies, and they don't take any shit from the communists uh, in the media who are constantly trying to undermine and, and weaken and subterfuge the entire society by screaming racist at anybody who wants to survive uh, this damn thing. And you got that, what was it? That, that mayor in, in Italy saying, go hug a Chinese person to show that you're not racist. It's like, my God, have we completely lost any sense of self-protection and we're like the, the mice who have this weird cat virus that makes them think that cats are their best friends so the virus can spread further. I mean, it's mad. So the problem, is not the illness, the problem is the lack of antibodies in the West, and we do have, and I, you know, I understand that they're human beings, so I'm using this as an analogy, I don't mean to, to call them viruses or anything like that, but from a medical standpoint, we're, immunocom- well, we're immunocompromised. That we have groups and ideologies within our societies that are rapidly attacking any sense of self-protection or self-preservation that we have. That is the major issue, not what's going on in the Chinese Communist Party because I am absolutely convinced that if we knew the truth about communism, which has been, we've been lied to for the last three or four generations because of communist infiltration into the media, and into academia in particular, but other places as well into the news, then we would never have imagined that China could be trustworthy, never would have imagined that Chinese numbers could be believed. We never would have imagined that they would tell the truth about anything, and we would have taken all precautions early on, closed borders, not taken flights from China, not let people in from China, And we would have been safe. So the issue is not SARS-CoV-2. The issue is not the Chinese Communist Party. The issue is not China. The issue is not bat soups or feeding tadpoles to your children. The issue is that we're immunocompromised in the West because of leftist, hard socialist infiltrations into our institutions. And that is what is letting the virus in. Now, we can talk about, oh, well, we've got to go deal with China. Okay, well, I don't know what that means because you can't go bomb them, they got bombs too. <laughs> and uh, uh, so the issue what we should do with all of this is wake the hell up ourselves and start dealing with this. And now, as consumers, what you have to do is say, well, I'm not sending my kids to schools that have a heavy Marxist influence, which is to say most of them. I am not going to support or buy from communist infiltrated institutions. And look, China, if you're worrying about institutions in the West, China has massive control over many, many Western institutions media, academia. I mean, look at this. The head, the head of Harvard, uh, what was it, bio, biology or whatever was, was arrested for collusion with China. you got people kicked out Do, of doctor, labs. Dr. Lieber. Dr. Yeah. Lieber, yeah, Dr. that's right. Lieber. And you've got people kicked out, uh, two people or more kicked out of uh, the level four biolab in Winnipeg. You've got people caught at the border, you know, Chinese scientists caught at the border, smuggling out biological material, dangerous biological material in a sock, uh, we're claiming that they have nothing. I mean, you have all of these problems when we've not woken up to the dangers of communism and we are immunocompromised. That, to me, is the that's what we can do right now, even as individuals. Like, you and I can't decide what the heck is going to happen in the world court with regarding China, but I assume the world court is as compromised as the World Health Organization, the UN, uh, the, the um, World Trade Organization, all of this stuff. I mean, they're not dumb. Communists are evil, but they're not dumb. Far from it. And so they've infiltrated all of these organizations. You won't get any more justice from the world court than you will from James Comey regarding Hillary goddamn Clinton. So what you need to do is start as a consumer to say, I am not going to support institutions that are run by communists. You can make those decisions. You can put your money where freedom is and keep your money away from those who are undermining the entire structure our society is built on. So forget about China. I know I just did think the case against China. Forget about China. As far as your, you as an individual goes, there's decisions that you can make. They're going to have, but make make having communist infiltration a business liability rather than an asset. It is really not that hard to find out who owns what in the West.
1: Exactly. And, you know, uh, social respons- responsible uh, investing, uh, SRI, that's becoming a more popular uh, trend in uh, investment portfolios now. I used to manage a, a professionally a portfolio for for a very large nonprofit in in, in uh, New York City. It was actually Catholic Charities of so the Archdiocese of New York. So we had an SRI uh, component uh, of the portfolio where we couldn't invest in certain types of you know, certain types of companies because of you know fetal tissue or you know war or you know weapons of war or whatever. So, uh, I think people will start to think in those terms. Don't invest in companies that hurt you, <laughs> you know so you know and but you can also bring it to another level. Don't buy products from countries that hurt you, and it opens up the entrepreneurial spirit to for jobs to come back to Canada and, and the United States. Uh, Canada and the United States has lost a lot of jobs
0: um. You yeah, know, it really if, wasn't uh, that cheap. People say, well, I'll, they'll just buy see. wherever it was cheapest. It's like, you know, getting, getting 50 bucks off that big screen TV doesn't seem so great when you can't work for three months now, does it?
1: Right, right. Well, you know, we, we are starting to wake up, I think, uh, to the idea that our system became very fragile, very fragile with this, this uh, dependency on a CCP.
0: Well, this is the thing, too. Like, I mean, we, we live like there's never any accidents. You know, like everybody, a third of Americans couldn't pay their rent this month. And it's not like we've been in lockdown for months. A third of Americans don't have enough savings to cover one month's rent if they're out of work for two weeks. Like, that, that is not good. That, that is a fundamentally a system that doesn't work at all. It's sort of like if, if, you, if you're driving someplace, you say, oh, it's 300 miles to get there. How much gas do I have? About 300 miles worth. Great. Then I don't need to refuel because, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine. And it's like, well, maybe, but probably not, right? I'm probably going to roll roll to a stop a mile or two before you get there. This living on the edge stuff, it's weird. And I guess we've been relatively peaceful, relatively secure. There's been all this money printing and interest rate manipulation to the point where people are like savings, those are for idiots. And of course, you have um, inflation eating away people's savings, interest rates so low, it's not worth putting your money in the bank. Uh, And we've just lived with no buffer at all. And boy, you know, civilization and intelligent living is basically about having a buffer. And hopefully people come out of this with like, okay, well, I could buy another 50 useless lattes or I could have a month's rent in the bank, which seems like a pretty good idea these days.
1: See, I like the analogy, would you drive on a highway with no shocks on your car? You need shocks to be able to absorb the potholes. And what yeah. has happened lately is that people are driving their car with no
0: shocks. Yeah. Demand the desubsidization of colleges? Absolutely. There should be no government-supported student loans. There should be no subsidies to colleges at all. And it's really, really appalling uh, how the colleges, I think Harvard and other places, sitting on these enormous, enormous endowments are just firing people, tossing them out on the street. I mean, it's just, oh, it's just hideous. Absolutely hideous. All right, let's take a question or two more. I know you've got somewhere else to be. And so um, we'll take a question or two more, and we shall release you. And what do we got here? Boycott Chinese-controlled industries and companies. Yes, support German manufacturing. Uh, yes, you certainly know that there won't be... If you're supporting German manufacturing, there's not much likelihood of money going to migrants. So uh, let's see here. I think, well, we've got a lot of... <laughs> stuff going by that's not hugely helpful for um, questions for you. Yeah, I mean, the fact that uh, the governments can close the borders like that is really quite remarkable, and that is something that hopefully, uh, you know, everybody said that it was so, so hard to do. couldn't be done, man. It's like, well, um, turns out well, that, when the elites that, have it. That, that, yeah,
1: that brings up a great point that dovetails into this concept of the BioPatriot Act. People don't realize that the government can take away your civil liberties very, very quickly. No,
0: oh, the powers yeah, that the I'm American government, the powers that the American president has in an emergency, pretty staggering.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very concerned about forced vaccinations. Very, very concerned because they're going to they're going to say, you know what, to save the economy, you have to be vaxxed so you can go back to work. And you're already starting to see it with Governor Cuomo, who's the governor of New York, starting to prime uh, with these, these ideas, well, we're going to test for antibodies and the ones that have the antibodies can go back to work. Well, what happens if you've never been infected and you need the antibody to go back to work, then you have to get vaccinated. That's the only way you get the antibody. So (laughs) it's just opening up the door to, you know, show me your papers that you, you know, you've been inoculated.
0: Right. Uh, would you use a vaccine for COVID a Bill Gates vaccine? Uh, I know this is a big topic, but Bill Gates has been orbiting this like a a gnat around a vampire these right. days. What are your thoughts on this whole vaccine thing, the Bill Gates thing? Um, I just I can't quite unravel it. Uh, although it all it often seems well, put forward in kind of a sinister context.
1: Right. There's two ways to two ways to look at this. Would you ever buy a car the very first? model of that car no of course not all right so one the very first version of this is probably not as safe you know to deal with so I for that reason alone I wouldn't want it but this messenger RNA platform is a new type of platform uh, uh, to administer a vaccine and you can do some nefarious things down the road that people, unless you're sequencing the actual vaccine, you wouldn't know is in it. And that's why I'm a, a proponent of a third party analyzing random lots to prove what is in the vaccine. Mm. Because it is really easy to Trojan horse something in. When they, with, with these conjugated messenger RNA um, vaccines, what it basically is, is they, they put the spike protein on it, they isolate the spike protein, they, they conjugate it, put it together with a messenger RNA. Hmm. So in other words, they have like a little mini, a, a, you know, a piece of a of, of virus, but it's not encapsulated. So that, that messenger RNA can get into the cell, and then it's supposed to present itself. It creates some proteins, and it presents those, those proteins to the cell surface, and then the antibody is created. That's how it works, all right? Now you could put stuff on that messenger RNA to do nefarious things like a uh, reverse transcriptase. And that integrates stuff into your genome. Now, I don't, I don't trust, honestly, I don't trust the government. <laughs> I think I have good reason for that. Right. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Even if you are pro-vax, if you just look at the trajectory of them eroding your civil liberties, and 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 all these nefarious things that they've been doing in these weapons labs that you're supposed to trust bill gates with this messenger rna platform hell no hell
0: well especially know. when the first thing he does is demand that people not be suable for this kind of stuff that is like uh oh, i don't really like that that seems like a pretty good check and balance to me all right okay well listen i really really appreciate your time uh, obviously we didn't get through to the coordinated TikTok dance moves that we'd obviously been practicing for most of the last week but um, obviously, we'll bring that up uh, next time. But uh, so I really do appreciate your time. And um, I just wanted to, if you want to mention to people who are just listening to the podcast version of this, where to find you uh, on the web?
1: Okay, you can, uh, you can find me at uh, Paul Cottrell. That's my YouTube channel. My YouTube videos has all the links to my website that has lots of important content about this, this virus. I show papers that I I databank on 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 the website that you can follow the logic uh, on how I arrive to these these uh these thoughts and conclusions um you can you can uh also you know find me on Twitter it's at Paul Cottrell but the best place is just to go to my YouTube site and it has all the links if you could please subscribe and click that bell I mean as you know we're talking about content that is not quote mainstream thought and you know there I I get censored I get shadow banned and you know and it it I'm trying to help people and um and spread the word to to get a a, a an informed a uh, population uh, out there to engage their governments and say hey you know th- this is enough is enough we're not going to allow this to happen because I believe that this is going to go down a road of less, you know, less civil liberties across the world, and it's it, it. We as a people around the world need to stand up to this.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're going to get a. They're going to try and get a biosecurity act in the same way they got the Patriot Act after nine eleven. So, and mm-hmm. it's all been prepared mm-hmm. for quite some time, I think.
1: Yeah, 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 and it's not just at the. It's not just at the at the um, uh, uh, government level you know nation nationhood level but it's also at this you know uber government level yeah the new world order level the the u.n level and you know being an american you know that is just in our it's in our dna not to you know be under tyranny of, of 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 a new world order and you know people need to wake up and get engaged and tell their representatives no
0: yeah, we can hopefully come out of this crisis with more, buck historical trends, come out of this crisis with more freedoms rather than fewer and of a greater awareness of the dangers of the Nietzschean to power universe characterized by most of the rest of the planet. So Dr. Paul Cottrell, thank you so much. Don't forget it's L two T's, two L's in Dr. Paul Cottrell. Really appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks again for your help on the presentation and we'll talk again soon.
1: Just one other thing. Just yes, one, sir. one thing. What you did today was I honestly believe this what you did today is one of the most important videos about what is going on because it's taking the philosophical look at this and 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 exposing the larger picture and it will wake up people to get involved to stop this tyranny and I I honestly believe that your video is within the top five importance of this whole crisis and you will when we are older and we're sitting in the rocking chair going what did we do during wuhan we can honestly say we did our best on on the battlefield
0: so i I, uh, i commend you and
1: i i i greatly appreciate your efforts
0: well thank you i appreciate that i mean taking this kind of stand as you know paul either ends up with you whittling away on the rocking chair with your pant waist up around your nipples or you end up in a gulag face down in a ditch um i'm glad it's nothing in the middle because that wouldn't really suit me but uh, all right thanks again appreciate that and uh go check out paul's stuff i'll put links to it below and stay safe my friends please like subscribe and share on paul's channel on my channel because yeah shadow banning is very very real but we still have the energy and the community to get the word out so have a great great night that you're my friends stay safe stay educated stay informed Talk people's ear off about this stuff, and let's turn this thing around and end up with uh, taking more freedoms from the devil's temptation. This is Stefan Molyneux from Freedomain signing off. All
1: right, bye-bye.